the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. AM 560, The Answer. Prepare to have your mind opened. The lies of the mainstream media are about to be exposed, and the hypocrisy of the left is about to be revealed. This is a revolution in how you think about politics, race, and culture. You've tuned into Black and Right with John Anthony on AM560, The Answer. Welcome back to this week's edition of Black and Right with John Anthony on AM560, The Answer. I am your host, John Anthony. I'm so excited to be joined in studio by the Bishop of Truth. Caesar LaFleur. Are you really excited? Or are you just pretending? I, no, I'm really excited, I'm, man. I'm, I'm, I'm really excited. I thought last week's show was just off the charts. It was I, really good. Yeah, very, very I, good. I thought we were able to talk about some very tough things. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And I thought we were able to talk about it and not be afraid, first of all. That's right. Yeah, yeah. Because what's happening is everybody's getting canceled. You saw Tucker. Did you see Tucker Carlson? I did. Get canceled. Yeah, uh, I did. Advertisers. The cancel culture. Got him, yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, because he... Spoke his truth. That's right. Yeah. What's going on with that, Bishop? We've always known that standing up for truth has a cost associated with it. And the problem has been, have people been brave enough, bold enough to be willing to stand up and and pay that cost? We're seeing it come to fruition right now, not only on the level where Tucker Carlson is, where the cancel culture, if they don't agree with what you say, then they want to cancel you altogether because there's no tolerance for anything outside of their own opinion. But even in our personal Uh lives... You know, we're getting challenged. We're getting criticized. Uh, interesting. I had a friend from high school call me the other day. What is with our CVS Cavalier brother? But listen, this, this is a really close friend. Guy I went to grammar school with, high school with, went away to college, down to Grambling together with. Guy I've known my whole life who has gotten the reports about what I be posted on social media. And he felt that he needed to call me, challenge me, and correct me. And correct me. So there's there is a cost associated with speaking truth because this tolerant generation that we live in now, they'll tolerate everything except the truth. But do you recall just a few short years ago that tolerance was the rage? Yeah. You absolutely. had to be tolerant of, of, of what was happening, the decimation of our society. Right. If you weren't tolerant, you were bigoted, you were you know, all these these isms. Right. Yeah. But today you can't. You can be tolerant of everything, but an opinion that's different than yours. So a lot of people on that side, they don't say what they mean, and they don't mean no. what they say. There's a different understanding you got to have to everything that they say. If they say you got to be tolerant, that means tolerant of everything that I'm for. Yeah. If they say that you have to be loving, that means you have to demonstrate that by accepting everything that I'm for. Yeah. There's no room for disagreement in that, and we can remain loving. Yeah. I love you. I just think that you're misguided and wrong. Yeah. But the other side, they always associate us with being evil. Yeah. And wicked if we don't agree with what they say. And it comes out when you try to have a discussion. But I I, I have this saying, the monopolization of language for political purposes, for political control. Mm -hmm. That's basically what it is. As long as they can monopolize language, control the language, what's being spoken, what's being said, Mm -hmm. they will control the narrative. Absolutely. But Mm -hmm. there are people like like this show, Black and Right with John Anthony on AM560 The Answer. We're going to push back against that. That's right. The the lies of of, of politics, culture, Mm -hmm. and and all these things, race. 
Because you know what? We're not, I'm not afraid. I'm, Bishop, I'm, I'm sorry. I'm just not afraid of what they can do to me. God has not given us a spirit of fear. Yeah. But of power, power love, love, and a sound mind. mind. Absolutely. And that's what we have to lean on that. Yeah. Because I told you last week, I commended you for putting your show out there like that to yeah. deal with these issues and to be willing to talk about it. Yeah. Because... It takes courage to do that because you already knew. Mm-hmm. I already knew. Mm-hmm. I knew what I was getting into when you called me in here. I said, all <laughs> right. I, I set you up. I know you set me up. You, you didn't want to do this by yourself. But I said, I'm not going to let the brother stand out there by himself. And we are not alone. No. You know, there are thousands who haven't bowed their knee to Come bail. on. There's a lot of people out Come there on. who believe just like we do, yeah. but they don't have an opportunity to have this platform like right. you do. So, therefore, we have to be good stewards of this and speak the truth and speak it in love. Yeah. Hey, everybody listening to the John Anthony program, Black and Right on AM 560, with my voice on here as well, know this, that we don't, we don't hate anyone. There's no phobias associated with us. We don't fear anyone. We simply want to be able to speak the truth yeah. in, love, in love, to find to a place where we can come together and find an agreement. We want the same things that you want. We want to see people prosper. We mm. want to see black people prosper. Yes. We want to see our communities thrive. Yes. We want to see people be happy and prosper. And we just see a different way of going about it. I, I, I think back to last week when my Uncle Tommy called. And, and my, Deborah and I, my wife, we were talking about her grandfather. And can you imagine him living through this time oh, right now? Uh, yeah. He'd be in jail. <laughs> yeah, you know what? <laughs> he'd be in jail because he'd be protesting. You talk about protesting. He'd have been speaking up. He'd have right. been speaking up. Right. And, and they would have, I mean, they, you talk about ostracizing and, yeah. and, and putting in the corner. Nobody puts baby in the corner. Come on. I thought, I just, half daddy is just, you're not, come on, man. <laughs> he's looking at me. But, but. He would have been speaking up, and he would have been called a hate monger. Right. Your grandfather, I've told you, Pastor Hiram Crawford Sr., is a hero to me because I believe that I had an opportunity to walk with a modern-day prophet. I watched him speak truth to power. Even when Mayor Harold Washington, the beloved mayor, he spoke truth to him. He would have been one out there declaring the truth and not worrying about the consequences. I remember the homosexual lobby saying, hey, we will come to your church. You keep talking this, we'll come over there. He said, come on, because we cast out devils over there. So you need to have that kind of courage. We need to emulate that kind of courage where we're not speaking hate. We're not trying to condemn anyone. We simply want to speak the truth and speak the truth in love. And, and, and that's the problem with our society today. Nobody, I mean, you can't have a difference of opinion. You can't, you can't see things differently. Because, you know what, Bishop, my life experiences are different than yours. Yeah. You haven't walked the streets, the path that I've walked. Right. You haven't walked the hell. I've been, I, I feel like I've been to the pits of hell mm-hmm. and walked there and right. God pulled me out of it. Hey, that's right. But you haven't done that. You ha- my father's white. My mother's black. Mm-hmm. I just found that out three years ago. Mm-hmm. But you, but, but. You, we don't have the same story. It's a difference. We have the same, we, the same experience, but not the same story. Yes. Because I've gone through just yes. like everybody else. God has pulled us all yes. out of something. God Correct. has delivered us all from something. Absolutely. And, and, and I think that's the message that we're trying to convey here. That's one of the reasons why I reached out. I reached out to my girl. I'm, I'm just going to call her Hollywood. Mm-hmm. Uh, I've known her for many years. Um, she, she, she's deaf. You need to put Black Lives Matter, hashtag Black Lives Matter on your page. It's like, no. Mm-hmm. That's if, if you know your lane. I said, you know what? Mm-hmm. I'll be your Booker T to your WB. There you go. I'll be your Martin to you being Malcolm. That's right. Yeah, I'll do that. I, no mm-hmm. problem. I know my lane. I'm, I'm not going to drive in a lane that I know I can't drive. In. Okay, right. I know that. I know. I know. I know for a fact what I'm called to do in this dispensation <clears throat> of life of, yeah. of, of the earth, and I'm not going to cross that. Okay, That's but guess right. what? 
I'll bring you on to, to give your opinion about how you feel about it. That's right. I'm not afraid to bring anybody on here that, that's, that has a difference of opinion than what I do. That's right. Let's talk about it. Let's debate it, right? I'm brave enough. <clears throat> I tell people all the time, I'm brave enough to have to talk. So. Not everybody is, though, Bishop. <laughs> not everybody is. So I, I'm, I'm really excited. And, and, and hey, Hoff Daddy, can you make sure you get the correct enunciation of the name uh, I think I, of Jessica um, Aladipo. I think it's Aladipo or Aladapo. Um, She's she, she, somebody who supports Black Lives Matter. Who's going to be joining us in the next segment? Yes, right. Yeah, and I, I'm really, I'm really excited uh, about talking with her because, right. yeah. you know, we're not all monolithic. We don't all think the, the same. We have way. different opinions. Absolutely, we have different opinions. Right. And yeah. I want, and I really, I really, somebody, I had somebody who's you know on the right say, well, why would you bring their opinion? Because people need to hear it. You gotta have balance. You know. Right, yeah. Listen, we have to let people who are experiencing this. Mm-hmm. You know what they're seeing. We have to give them that 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 time to grieve. Mm-hmm. The grieve people are grieving because they saw a man lose his life on live television. That's right. Mm-hmm. Did you see that a lot growing up? People losing their lives right in front of you, twenty four seven. Just on on the soap, I mean, on the westerns and stuff. It wasn't for but real. But not a real, <laughs> not life. for real. Yeah. Now imagine that. That's right. Yeah. Imagine that. And, and, and as conservatives, we can't just be. You know, they need to get over it. No. Mm-hmm. This, they're seeing somebody that, that that who've lost their life by the at the hands of the police. Mm-hmm. Let them breathe. That's right. Let them <laughs> breathe. Let them let, let them be mad. Let them be angry. Right. Yeah. But but after being mad, after being angry, what's next? You know, I, there was a, a book by Ken Houck called uh, Speaking the Truth in Love. I used to train some of the ministry teams in my church, and it had a premise about communication, how communication had to be positive and productive. You know, you're entitled to your feelings, John. You know, I might not agree with them, but you're entitled to express them. And positive communication means that you get an opportunity to say it, and I get the opportunity. I have the responsibility to hear it. Now, in that, like I said, we, we're not probably going to agree on a lot of things, but I can't condemn you for feeling the way that you feel. My responsibility is to hear, to try to understand, and then you're supposed to do the same thing to me. Hear what I'm saying, and then we're going to find out if we do that, we do have a diversity of opinion. Yeah. But we're, there's things that we can learn yeah. from one another. I've learned some things from brothers who are still very liberal. So, so have right. I. And, and I recognize there's a difference between so liberals and leftists. And so, But I've learned a lot of things from my liberal brothers they put me really back on the path of where i needed to be when it came down for really caring about some things but you, have you learned through life you've been here a lot longer than i have Wait, hey hey, hey. <laughs> but have you learned through life that just an opening of dialogue with somebody who you disagree with you find that there might be some silver line and there might be some form of of agreements mm-hmm. somewhere that you can start and build out the conversation. Absolutely. Right. And even better is when you get to that point of realizing that, and then you realize that the, that the, that the uh, relationship exists in such a way between you now that it's okay, that I, it's okay for me to hear you. And now we can calmly and without emotion and without anger, really listen to one another and find out where we're coming from. The Bishop of Truth, Caesar LaFleur. That's you it. listen to the Black and Right on AM 560 Asset. Jessica Aladapo up next. This is Black and Right with John Anthony on AM560, The Answer. Forget I can't sing. (laughs) Welcome back to this week's edition of Black and Right on AM560, The Answer. I'm your host, John Anthony, sitting alongside my buddy, my pal, the elder gentleman in the room, (laughs) Bishop... Caesar LaFleur. Thank you, my light-skinned brother. 
Yeah, I had to get you back. Yeah, okay. <laughs> um, as you know, we've been we've been talking about Black Lives Matter, mm-hmm. um, and I think so. So many times, as 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 those of us who are on the right, we 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 we, we sometimes are not willing to engage those who are who are of opposite opinions or views that we have when it comes to these matters. Mm. So as I told you before we went to break, I was talking to my good girl, Hollywood. And I told her, I said, I really need somebody to come onto the show to, to, to be a voice that's, that's different than Caesar and I. And she said, uh, well, I can't come on. I said, well, why? I can't, I can't say why she did say. <laughs> Let's just say she, uh, her, her use of the um, profanity, <laughs> oh, <okay. laughs> which, is, which, is, which is honest. Yeah. <laughs> but, and I've never heard her use profanity. Ever. Mm. So I was like, yeah, I don't think so. So then she said, I got somebody for you. And she said, I really got somebody that I really think that's going to be good for the show. I think somebody who, who, who's going to challenge you. And I was like, what? That's what I want. And Jessica M. Aladipo is the owner of Diversity to Inclusion, Inc., providing trainings on diversity, inclusion, and equity for schools, school districts, institutions of higher education, and global corporations. She also currently serves as professor of sociology and psychology at Kankakee Community College, where she teaches courses emphasizing social justice and equity with a primary focus on the structures of society that allow for inequality to exist as well as solutions to these inequities. The goal of inspiring all to move toward equity is her chief charge, along with encouraging building relationships. Her favorite and most important job, which I agree with, however, is that of mom which inspires her to be a change agent, modeling activism and commitment to creating a more just society for her children. Jessica, welcome to Black and Right. Thank you. I'm so honored to, to have been asked. I'm, I'm honored that um, that Crystal thought of me, too. Hey, she, Hollywood. She yeah, she said the message and was like, you know, I want you to be on this show. And I was like, what? <laughs> me? <laughs> so, so, so we've been talking. We've, been, we've had a, a very robust discussion about Black Lives Matter. Now I'm, I'm I'm just going to jump right there, right out there for, with with this question, because one of the things that that we talked about, we discussed last week, is can black people, can people, support the notion and the statement that Black Lives Matter, and not accept the organization of Black Lives Matter, and if so, if we can't, why, and why is that important that 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 the two have to go together? Well, I think, I think. Uh, this is this is my um, own opinion, right? That if we accept the notion of Black Lives Mattering, then we also accept the premise of the movement. Now, the of course, you might not always agree with every single part of the movement. Just as you know, we all have families, right? I have um, mom, dad. Um, seven siblings, there's eight of us total. And I support every single member of my family. I might not always support the actions or the ideas presented by the members of my family. However, we are able to come to a common ground. And rather than looking for areas of difference, we're able to look for areas of commonality. Right. And and then once we see the areas of commonality, then we can understand how nuanced the conversation is, because I think what the goal is, the goal for all of us is to have some sort of, you know, some folks call it freedom. Some folks call it equity. Some folks call it justice. We are all in pursuit of 
life, liberty, and happiness. Every single one of mm-hmm. us. But, and, and Crystal, I mean, I mean, and Jessica, can't that be the common ground? Can't that be where we start the conversation? Because I think so many times we, we, we try to fight on who's, whose message is more important or, you know, all mm-hmm. lives matter, black lives matter. But can we start that? What is, what is the goal of every living American or everybody in the world, we, especially here in the United States? We are seeking what you just said, correct? Yeah, absolutely. Now, we can start there, but then when we start there and we look at the trajectory of history, right, like we look at how we got to this moment, then we also have to acknowledge that there has been inequity. So then while we start at, you know, um, we're all in pursuit of life, liberty, and happiness, we have to acknowledge that not everyone has equal access to life, liberty, and happiness, right? Right, Right. that's fair. And so then, yep, and so then that also allows for some nuance to occur. That allows for us to say, all right, well, why is it that folks feel like it is incredibly important to make that statement that black lives matter? I think it's incredibly important. Professor, I I do. I agree with you. This is Caesar. And thank you so much for being on. And listen, I think that's a place where we can start with agreement because I agree wholeheartedly that black lives matter. I've spent the last 30 years of my life defending black life as I stand against abortion, especially as abortion affects the black community. So my question to you, and I'm sure it's one that you've heard before, is that considering that abortion is the leading cause of death in the black community and organizations like Planned Parenthood, which is a direct descendant from a racist and eugenicist by the name of Margaret Sanger, why isn't Uh Planned Parenthood speaking out more against abortion, which has taken 22 million black lives in this country? 22 million black women and children have been victimized through that. I, I think we can, yeah. we, I could go with you more because I'm happy about the idea that black lives matter. If I saw mm-hmm. consistency across the board when we're standing up for the places that we're being killed the most. Yeah. So I can't speak for Planned Parenthood. Right. Um, no, but for black for lives course. matter. Right. Planned Parenthood yeah, speaks yeah, for yeah. themselves. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And so for Planned Parenthood, what is the, um, what would be the benefit of them uh, making that statement. However, I do... Well, well, excuse me, I can answer that because according to their purposes, it was to control black population. The founder of Planned Parenthood, Margaret Sanger, Sanger looked at us as human weeds and something that we need to control. Mm -hmm. So my thing is, Mm -hmm. why isn't now that on the top of the list with with, uh, Black Lives Matter to stand against that when Planned Parenthood has killed more black people than the Klan and every policeman that has ever lived? Oh, so you mean why is why isn't Black Lives Matter? Why isn't part of the the quote unquote Absolutely. agenda of Black Lives Matter to stand against? Well, Absolutely. I mean, a couple things. One uh, really important um, suggestion is that our abortion numbers have been dropping since the 1970s across the board. Our abortion numbers have been declining. Where'd you get that and from? so we aren't having, I'm sorry. Where, where did you get that? You know, I can actually give you um, some, some, some research that talks about our abortion rate dropping, but not only is our abortion rate dropping, our teen pregnancy rate is dropping. And um, what is, however, increasing is not pregnancy, which would then lead to abortion, right? What's increasing is instead um, STDs and STIs. And so that to me is a huge concern. And so one of the things that family planning clinics, and, and I'm not 
speaking specifically right. about Planned Parenthood. But one of the things that they provide is education on safe practices. They provide, um, you know, contraceptives to protect people from STDs and STIs. And so I think that having some education is super important, right? Because if we then provide education, then we flip it on its head. If we then provide education and we provide resources, then we won't have to have really won't have to have the abortion conversation. Right. Does so that make sense? Yeah, it does. So, Jessica, what, what is it that it, you do at the Diversity to Inclusion? How, how, how is that helping push the narrative and the conversation forward? Oh, I provide an ability to have conversations that first begin um, internally, right? Okay. So one of the first things that I do is I ask people to think about their own identities, so what things make you you? Oftentimes in conversations about blackness um, or in conversations about gender or in conversations about sexual orientation, oftentimes what ends up happening is we tend to collapse multidimensional people into one-dimensional ideas. Mm. So then we have the blacks or the whites or the gays or the Christians or the Muslims, Right which is a one-dimensional idea. We pigeonhole folks into one thing. So what I encourage folks to do is think about all of the layers that people have. I I like to call it like a Rubik's Cube. Folks are a Rubik's Cube. You you got 10 seconds. (laughs) Hey, listen, Jessica, this is what I want to do. I want to invite you. I want to invite you back, but I want you in studio. Because, because I okay. really, I, I really believe that this is a conversation that that's that's very important to the black community, and not just the black community, but but the communities of, of white people and everybody else. So, uh, I'm going to have you back. Listen to Black and Right. This is Black and Right with John Anthony on AM five sixty. The answer. I'm the one percent that is used all the time to justify one hundred percent of abortions. My biological mother, even though she experienced the horror and the violence of rape, still proved that she was stronger than her circumstances. I am the Chief Creative Officer of the Radiance Foundation. I like to refer to myself as the Chief Creative Agitator. We wanted to be able to address a myriad of social issues, so we, we tackle some issues. We do these live multimedia presentations across the country, even abroad. It is out of love that we illuminate the truth. And it's not easy to communicate that truth sometimes. How many of you have ever been hated for illuminating the truth? These are the billboards that we put up in Atlanta. Over 400 billboards, not just in Atlanta, but in major cities across the country. Abortion has taken the place of fathers. Welcome back to Black and Right with John Anthony on AM560. This is Cesar LaFleur, who is your co-host for today. And this next segment is one that I'm very excited about. I'm so happy to have the next guest, Ryan Bomberger, on our program. One of the many blessings, John, that I've had over my 30 years of involvement in the pro-life movement is meeting people like Ryan Bomberger. Ryan is a phenomenal individual. And I would dare to say that he is a man that God has created specifically for a time such as this. He's a tremendous communicator. He's a creative genius. He's an excellent family man, an excellent father, excellent husband, and he has been had a unique heritage and experience in his life that makes him ultimately credible when he speaks about issues of race and the sanctity of life. I encourage all of our listeners to visit his website at theradiusfoundation.org. But for now, let's welcome to Black and Right, 
my friend Ryan Scott Bomberger. Ryan, welcome to the show. Hey, it's great to be here with you. Hey, Bishop welcome. Of Truth, I love that name. <laughs> Amen. Amen. It's a good name. See? Man, it's so good to have you on the program. I told John when we were talking about this and we were talking about uh, the whole situation with Black Lives Matter that I thought that you would bring a unique perspective to this discussion, not only because of your own experiences in your own life, uh, but also because of the, the wonderful information that you provided for us in your uh, piece that you wrote for Town Hall Magazine when you expressed some feelings about uh, Black Lives Matter. So we're excited to talk about that. But first, I, I've had the privilege of knowing you from sharing platforms with you, like with Star Parker and Cure uh, in Washington, D.C., and Dr. Wallace's Freedom Journal, Black Families Matter uh, uh, Conference. But I'd like for our audience, our listeners, just to know a little bit about you. So can you give us the elevator speech? Just tell us a little bit about your life, how you came to be who you are, and what you're doing now. Absolutely. I had a courageous birth mom that despite experiencing the horror and the violence of rape, chose to give me life, and not just give me life, but give me the incredible gift of adoption. So I grew up in a tiny little family, 15. I have six brothers. I have six sisters. Ten of us were adopted, and we're just a mix. We're white and black. We're black. We're white. We're Native American, Vietnamese. So that's the family that I grew up in, loved like crazy by my parents. And now I'm a happily married man. My favorite woman on the planet is my wife, Bethany, and we run an organization called the Radiance Foundation. We have four kiddos, homeschooled kiddos, and two of my four kiddos are adopted as well. Mm-hmm. So that's pretty much why I'm so passionate about the issue of defending life, but we, we run an organization that tries to bring context and clarity to culture-shifting issues. Hey Amen, and you do a wonderful job of it. And so, as you know, we for the last two weeks, we've been talking about the aftermath of wrath, this whole situation that has happened after the Uh, the murder of George Floyd and the emergence of Black Lives Matter. And so that's what we wanted to talk to you about. I wonder, did you hear our previous uh, segment where we had the spokesman, uh, Ms. Aladapo, who was speaking about Black Lives Matter? Were you able to hear that? Yes, I did hear the conversation. I love that you had her on. I love when we get to have conversations with people who don't think the same way we think. Amen. Absolutely. It's a good thing. All right. So then here's what I want to ask you first. Why do you think Black Lives Matter has gained so much traction? How have they become so credible? What is it about their messaging or their message that have made them so acceptable? Uh, the way I look at it is like we're bowing our knee to idols, but how have they gained such traction in the community? Emotion and a lot of funding. See, the Black Lives Matter movement itself is, is funded, for instance, you know, the Ford Foundation committed in 2016 to raise $100 million dollars for the Movement for Black Lives, which is the umbrella organization that includes all of the Black Lives Matter organizations nationwide. This is not some grassroots organization. No, it's not. This has a ton of money. And you're talking about the Ford Foundation, the world's largest funder of abortion, the world's largest funder of, of progressivism. So that, that would be why. And people, people want, when they perceive injustice, they want to do something about it. And unfortunately, so few take the time to even understand what is the movement about. Right. I disagree with her fundamentally that, you know, she, you asked her about whether if you believe in Black Lives Matter, she said, well, if you believe in Black Lives Matter, you also have to believe in the movement itself as well. And I, I don't agree with that at all. I believe in the fundamental truth that Black Lives Matter because we're all created in the image of God. And that's where I no longer have agreement yeah. with the movement. Yeah. And you know what? And, and, and that's why last, last week I tried to s- develop a baseline of what we were going to be talking about and, and how I tried to separate out Black Lives Matter, the statement that Black Lives Matter from Black Lives Matter, the movement, the group, and those who are basically an arm of the Democrat Party, in my opinion, 
<laughs> but uh, that's why I tried to you know differentiate the two. But uh, Ryan, we, we're going to come back from the break, and we, we want to continue this discussion with Ryan Baumberger. Um, your story is just amazing. I went, I was up all night looking at your videos and your in your speaking engagement. I mean, you've you Emmy nominated. Did you win an Emmy? Emmy for media broadcast design. Yeah, Look I love to you. create stuff. Look you got an you. Emmy? Yes. See, I know more about him than you do. I know a dude got an Emmy. <laughs> I know a dude got an Emmy. Hey, you listen to the Black and Right on AM560 The Answer. I'm John Anthony. We'll be right back. Back to Black and Right with John Anthony on AM560 The Answer. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to Black and Right with John Anthony. This is your co-host, the Bishop, Pastor Cecil LaFleur, and we're continuing with our conversation with a great man, Mr. Ryan Baumberger. And Ryan, we're talking about Black Lives Matter, and we were just digging down before the break into a part that I really wanted to hear you expound on a little bit more about separating the difference between the statement that Black Lives Matter, which, of course, we would all agree is true, and separating that out from the agenda uh, or, or the people who are Black Lives Matter. In your piece, one of the reasons you said you would never support them was because their premise was not true. Could you just expound on that a little bit? What do you mean by that premise not being true? All right. Well, the premise is about the epidemic of black individuals being killed by cops. And of course, I need to say up front that any life lost uh, is tragic, that any life that is unjustly killed needs justice 100 percent. But the premise is not true. There's not an epidemic of black people being killed by cops. In fact, if you look at the stats from 2020, this is from the Washington Post, they keep a database. There were 76 black individuals killed this year so far by cops. There were 149 white individuals killed by cops. And, of course, we never hear about the white individuals killed by cops, only the black. 46 Hispanics, two Native Americans, nine Asians. But of the 76 black individuals killed by cops, only nine were unarmed. And so 90% of all those who were killed by cops were were armed with a deadly weapon, 90%. So the premise isn't true. There's also a great study from the, the uh, Michigan State University and University of Maryland that shows that white cops do not disproportionately kill the victims of fatal force. Right. It's actually black cops simply by nature of the fact that more black cops police in black neighborhoods. So two of those things combined really shred the, the, the whole premise. I mean, Planned Parenthood kills more black lives in one day then police are being accused of killing in an entire year. So even going back to what she said, the fact that Black Lives Matter announced solidarity with Planned Parenthood, this is, and she doesn't seem to be either aware of this or is denying this, that, that Black Lives Matter organizations announced solidarity with the abortion industry, announced solidarity with Planned Parenthood. Right. They actually put out a statement That's right. in this. Mm-hmm. So when she says that you know, abortion numbers have been dropping since the 1970s, first of all, that's not true at all. Mm-hmm. Abortion rates increased from 1970 to about 1980, where it reached its peak and has declined. But we're still talking 862,000 deaths uh, nationwide. And in the black community, it's wow. over 300,000. Abortion is the number one killer in the black community. That's right. It's the, you want to talk about systemic racism, yeah. let's talk about <laughs> a government-funded entity that disproportionately kills black lives. Absolutely. That's Planned Parenthood. Right. And I don't think the young lady, I don't either think she knew it, because I think my question kind of caught her by surprise, or they're just not going to own up to that. So that, that's absolutely correct. But the other thing in your piece that I thought really stuck out was that you said that there was no sign of any 
consideration for reconciliation in their platform. You know, uh, it's, I've always said that they're not looking for reconciliation. They want submission. They want the need to be bowed to their to, to their platform, to what they stand for. But talk a little bit about how important that is or how we should see that when we see an organization that's getting so much support but is not seeking reconciliation. In fact, it seems like they want the opposite. It's true, because you have to understand, what is the motivation? And, you, and the thing is, people say, well, they don't believe this, they don't believe that. The funny thing is, the people who actually lead the movement, they believe, they believe this. They've, they've made very explicit what they believe in their manifesto. And the Movement for Black Lives, which is m4bl.org and on blacklivesmatter.com, uh, Alicia Garza, one of the founders, and the other two female founders, have their their statement as well. And in it, it says what their goal was, their objective was to spread black power That's across right. the country. Yeah. Well, you can't replace the evil of, of white supremacy or racism in whatever form it takes with another form of it. So there, there's no forgiveness. There's no, there's no call for reconciliation. And so you can't keep talking about the sins of the past if there's not the willingness to forgive and move forward. There oh will God. never be a moving forward. Oh. Hey, hey, Ryan. So as a Christian, wow. I can't embrace the, you know something that doesn't model that amen hey, hey ryan you know this you know when, whenever i hear the term all lives matter uh and then black lives matter um I, I i do believe though the black live movement have a point when they say now is not the time to be saying all lives matter because right now blacks feel the perception they feel like they don't matter and shouldn't we have that conversation, too? Because sometimes I, I just don't believe that part of the conversation is had. Why are they feeling this way? What, what's, what are the in, in, inequities? What are the disparities that they're talking about? Not enough people. Do you, believe, do you believe there are disparities? Do you believe there are inequities? And if so, how do we, how do we fix this? How do we, what are the solutions? Right, there definitely are disparities, and I'm not denying that racism exists. And I, racism is evil, and it's a sin, and it needs to be addressed absolutely. But there are disparities. But the the reasons for them, uh, unfortunately, when it comes to the Black Lives Matter movement, it's always because of white supremacy. Well, white supremacy is not the reason for all the failures and all the negative disparities in the black community. And they talk about the disparities in prison population, and which actually that percentage of of blacks being incarcerated has been declining for years and years. It's still way too high. But if systemic racism um, is is how you describe the prison population, and then you just ignore it, for instance, with abortion, I mean, there's so many disparities. There are disparities in schooling. My wife was a teacher, a public school teacher, for such a long time, and yet the Black Lives Matter movement doesn't endorse or doesn't promote school choice. I mean, there are so many things that with the, the solutions that they're offering, you know, like disbanding the police, who's that going to hurt? Is that going to hurt the, right. the CEO who's funding the Black Lives Matter movement in his or her posh neighborhood? It's going to hurt the very people who are crying out for help. So part of the solution is let's first look at what's really happening. And part of the fear, the perception is because they're being force-fed this garbage from mainstream media Telling them that they're they're more likely to be killed by a white person. I'm eleven times more likely to be killed by someone yeah. of my complexion. That's yeah. right. Yeah. Another black person. That's right. Come on. So w- this this is being fed. So part of it is we need to be having these conversations. And if the church is not willing Woo. to have these conversations, talk about then it. then we're always going to be misled. Hey, hey, Ryan, we we got one more segment with you. Can you hold over? Uh, yeah. <laughs> oh, gladly. Yeah. I, I, <laughs> yes. Because I, because I'm really loving this part of the the, the discussion, and, it, and because it's something that continues to we we got to have this conversation. These are the tough, uncomfortable conversations. That's right. That have, to be had, even if you disagree. And I told you he was a smart brother. Yeah, you're listening to Black and Right. We'll be right back. 
We now return to Black and Right on AM560, The Answer. Here's John Anthony. Welcome back to Black and Right on AM560, The Answer. I'm your host, John Anthony, sitting beside my good friend, my pal, my buddy, Cesar LaFleur, as Hoff Daddy just put on the screen, Bishop of Truth. The Bishop of Truth. <laughs> you know, before we went to break, we were talking to Ryan Baumgarter, yes. Baumberger. Yes. Um, Ryan, welcome back to Black and Right. You, I mean, you, you, your, your, your information has been very fascinating. Um, for me and for the Bishop of Truth, uh, I, 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 we, we were hitting on it right before the break. Where is the media complicit in how a lot of this is being pushed? Because, you know, I, I have this saying, in the rush to be first, they can care less about being right. Mm. Because they want to push a story, or push a narrative out there. When you look at most, and, and I've, I've taken a lot of heat on my social media, because I'm a former cop, um, right? I'm, I'm a former cop. So I understand when I see the shootings, I'm looking for certain things. How is the media complicit and why is it important that we start pushing back against the narrative that they're pushing? Well, the media has been so reckless in all this. They, they deliberately want to colorize the narrative. I mean, I mentioned the, the number of lives killed that were black and white. And the fact of the matter is we only hear when those of our complexion are harmed or killed. They're, they are deliberately only reporting that. In fact, when I spoke at a college to a bunch of high school students, minority high school students, and I asked them, you know, what percent of black males are in, in incarcerated, what percent are in jail today in America? And they gave me from 85% to 95%. Whoa. I said, you think 95% of black males 18 and older are incarcerated? I said, 3%. It's still too high, but it's 3%. Yeah. Their mouths dropped. Some of the parents in the room were like, that's not true. And I show them on the, you know, the Bureau of Labor, or I'm sorry, uh, Prison Statistics, um, the Department of Justice, and I put it on the screen, and they just couldn't believe it because they're fed a lie. And then that feeds the fear. Yes. And this yeah. is, I mean, there, there are disparities. There, there are issues of injustice that we have to address. Hands but up, the don't fear you? is being fed by a mainstream media that, that – I feel like they want to foment racial war. I've been writing about this since, you know, with Ferguson. That's right. Look what they did in Ferguson. They, and then they pick the carcass and they fly away to the next city Absolutely. to exploit and manipulate. That's, That's right. what media does. I've been having this, Brian, I've been having this discussion with my wife, and I've been saying that there are those who it's in their best interest because it keeps them in power and keeps them relevant to fan the flames of racial hatred. And so there are individuals now who have a vested interest working through the media to present racism in America as like it was 1960. 62, and we know it's not. But listen, we only have a few minutes left, and I really wanted to talk about, especially with you, the threat to our community that fatherlessness represents, mm. you know, the, the, the absent, absent father in the black family. Talk about it a little bit, because that was one of the reasons you said you would never support BLM, because of this fatherless narrative that they seem to be putting forth. Talk to us for a few moments about that. Right. So they, in order to heavily push homosexuality and transgenderism, they have to omit fathers. So they never mention fathers. They mention mothers, parents, and villages. Well, guess what? The villages are hurting. Mm -hmm. The villages are being devastated because of the absence of fathers. Back in the 60s, when Daniel Patrick Moynihan sounded the alarm because the out-of-marriage uh, out um, birth rate was 25%, uh, that was 25%. Today, it's over 72%. It has a yeah. devastating impact. You, you take a father out of the community, this is why we have higher uh, crime rates, higher rates of violence, higher exactly. drug 
uh, usage, higher rates of dropouts in high school. A child is two times more likely to drop out of high school if a father's not present. Wow. You know, girls, high, seven times more likely to become pregnant, which leads to higher rates of abortion. I mean, yeah, right. a father's absence is devastating, it's and they don't want to address this. It's the NAACP doesn't want to address this. And it's a greater threat to us than, than the police at this time. Listen, Ryan, man, if we had three days, it wouldn't be enough <laughs> to be able to talk to you, and we're excited about bringing you back again. I want to talk to you about bringing in Chicago to speak for our, our our banquet uh, for our pregnancy center that we're opening up here. But right now, just tell us about your organization and where can people go to find you within the next 15, 20 seconds? How can we find you? Just go to radiance.life, our organization's at the Radiance Foundation, and we create content for you to engage in conversations, to be informed, to become a factivist, not just an activist, but a factivist. A factivist. Hey, hey, Ryan, I am stealing that. I'm telling you right now, I will steal that hashtag. It will be on every last one of my hashtags from here on out. Ryan Bomberger, thanks so much for joining. Thank you, man. I appreciate you You, so much. You have been just an eye-opening experience. Hey, coming up in hour two, we talk to Tlaib Starks, the author of Black Lives Matter. We'll be right back. Prepare to have your mind opened. The lies of the mainstream media are about to be exposed, and the hypocrisy of the left is about to be revealed. This is a revolution in how you think about politics, race, and culture. You've tuned into Black and Right with John Anthony on AM560, The Answer. Welcome back to Hour 2 of Black and Right on AM560, The Answer. I'm your host, John Anthony. Joining me in studio is my good friend, the Bishop of Truth, Cesar LaFleur. That was a, I don't know, I don't know, I was feeling kind of some kind of way doing that a whole hour. Really? Yeah, it was, it was, it was a very interesting. Ryan is just, I don't know, I, I was, I was, I guess I was marveled listening to his story and listening to mm-hmm. his delivery. Yes. Mm-hmm. I thought, I thought he had a very good delivery of, of what he was trying to say. Oh, he's a captivating individual. Yeah. Not only because of just the delivery, but it's what he represents. It's his experience. Yeah. What he's lived. It's his passion. You Again. Know? And, and I think it's an anointing. I told him, I think God created a person like him yeah. for a time such as this, so he could be able to communicate authentically. And, uh, and to think, and to think, mm-hmm. his mom, his parents didn't want him. Well, you know, his, his, yeah. mom, his mom was raped. Yeah. You know, he was yeah. a victim of, of rape. And he, was, and he went to live with, um, with a foster parent. Mm-hmm. Wow. Right. Yeah. And see That's what, a powerful story. What God has done with their life. And I say that all the time to people, and I know we're not going to get into that right. discussion, but every life that God ordains has a purpose, and our responsibility is to let that purpose come forward. That, Bishop, you, yes. you, you, you're speaking too much truth. Here for me. Well, I'm the Bishop of Truth, so <laughs> at least that's what you all have called me. Well, you know, you are the Bishop of Truth. Come on. But, you know, I, w- I was perusing through social media, and I didn't realize that the, our next guest and I have been friends for a while. Really? Mm-hmm. I was so shocked. So this next guest, his name is Talib Starks. He's an author. Mm-hmm. He, listen to, the, listen to the, the name of his books. Black, Lives, Black Lies Matter. What? Watch this. Watch this. He has one called The Gospel of Nisus. I'm going to let him explain the titles of his book. Tlaib Starks, welcome to Black and Right. Hey, fellas. Thanks for having me. You know, I, I, I've, been, I've been following you so long, and when I looked and I saw that we've been Facebook friends, for, and I'm like, what? Because I, I followed your body of work and what you've been doing since you started, you know, coming out. And, dude, I mean, I, I, I was just flabbergasted i mean you're 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 the, the five problems facing the black community Tremendous. we're, we're yeah. going to do a lightning round towards the end of the segment and i want you to be able to just go through each one of them 
with 30 seconds because I think they're key, they're important. And I told you, when you come up here, you got to come sit in this studio. But what, where did the book Black Lies Matter come from? And why, why did you feel it was important to write it? Well, that, that book came about after watching uh, Trayvon Martin uh, fiasco and uh, just watch how that narrative shifted from the, from the mainstream media. And then the mainstream media basically uh, used us uh, as puppets. And they, we, they were able to shift how we felt uh, based on what they said. And so when the group Black Lives Matter came about, and I thought, okay, I get this. Literally, I get the name. So this is what I've always talked about. Was I always focused on um, uh, what I call urban terrorism, which is uh, the black on black genocide. Hey, don't get into that. We got a lightning round for that. <laughs> okay, all right, well, I just want to. Yeah. So let, let me set it up. So when I saw the name Black Lives Matter, I thought. So wow, this is this is what I what I'm talking about. That's right. But when I noticed that they were only focused on this yeah. uh, Trayvon Martin, and they wouldn't budge, and then they tried to uh, create an agenda where anyone, any black person who dies in that fashion, yeah. is worthy of a Black Lives Matter benefits right. package, which is the yeah. <laughs> um, We'll, we'll get you the mural. We'll get you some celebrity endorsement. The benefit package. Yeah. Uh, try to get a holiday yes. if, if possible. You know, you get the works. Meanwhile, that's not our reality that's in right. the city. Brother so, Tlaib, uh, so, yeah, so let me ask you, do you agree with me that I believe that there are those uh, with another agenda? I, I think they're leftists, leftist liberals who have an agenda that they want to put forth, but they're hijacking black grievance and they're wrapping themselves up in the black grievance and the media is spinning the lie. They're presenting us with a, with an illusion for us to be manipulated and used to advance. It's not about black issues. It's about them advancing their, their purposes, their agenda using black grievance. Do you, do you think that's correct? Oh, absolutely. Mm-hmm. Um, I couldn't have said it better myself, but at some point, we have to. At some point, and I've, I've I've been saying this lately, is that we can't get mad. Well, I can't get mad at them for selling what we're buying. Mm. You know, wow. it's like P.T. Barnum, and this phrase is attributed to P.T. Barnum. I but, know. You know, when he started <laughs> his uh, circus, and uh, you go there the first time, and you see the uh, the the man, the lobster man. Mm-hmm. And you go in there, and it's basically a guy with. Uh, uh, the foreign hands or the bearded lady. And it turns out to be a woman is just, you know, she didn't shave. And then yeah. they put the, the horn on the horse, the unicorns. And so you go there once and you get, and you go, okay, you got me. Yeah. And then, so someone asked PT, how are you going to keep this business model going? Mm-hmm. Once people see it one time, what said. you're not going to get repeat customers. But, and then the famous phrase is, you know, sucker is born every minute. Every oh. minute. That's <laughs> that. <laughs> well, hey, 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 please enlighten us on the title, The Gospel of Nisus and the Religion of Victimanity. Wow. That's a, yeah, that, that's a mouthful right there. That was, that was based on Colin Kaepernick. Oh, you, you can't I, touch I that he, God. You can't touch that God now. You know that. <laughs> well, listen. I'm at the point where, look, if it, 
if he's going to be mad at me, and, and, and these books, let me just say, these books, you don't have to buy them. You right. know, if you don't like them, don't buy them. I got all three, but by the way. this is what I see. Oh, my man. <laughs> Appreciate it. Uh, I, I'll, if you don't like it, don't buy it. But he is what I saw. What I saw with Colin Kaepernick is that he realized that football, I mean, the ball of victimhood, he could, throw that, he could play that game, the blame game, and be more lucrative playing that game than, than football. Ouch. And so he's a guy that, um, again, cherry-picked the people he wants to, to kneel for. Yeah. yeah. And that's why I call him Mises because he's only kneeling for a particular type of black person, which I call Negroes, which mm-hmm. is spelled K-N-E-E. Yeah. So that's an, that's an exclusive religion, so to speak, where uh, you have to be – he has to Christian you to, to that to that religion. If, if if you die any other way besides from a cop, Jesus isn't going to um, bend the knee That's for true. you. So 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 Talib, Okay, let's get into the lightning round. I'm going to play each one of the five problems that the black community is facing, and I want you to explain it. Okay, you got 30 seconds to explain each one. First one. What are the five biggest issues facing blacks in America? Here's my list. Problem number five: the victim mentality. Go. Yeah, the victim mentality is that uh, everything that happens to you is someone else's fault. You do not take ownership of uh, what y- your life and your responsibility to yourself. Self-preservation is really someone else's job to preserve your life, according to you. And I think a victim, a victim mother mindset is detrimental yeah and i should say this was a prager you um video that you uh did with the prager you and and i'm, I'm you got to find and go to prager you is it prager you.com find this video it's a yeah. it's an amazing it's on youtube as well okay yeah, YouTube all right here's number four here's number four problem number four lack of diversity blacks repeatedly demand an honest dialogue or debate about race how can there ever be an honest dialogue about race between blacks and whites when there is virtually no honest dialogue between blacks and blacks. Go. Preach. <laughs> yeah, actually, and yeah, and that still holds true today. And I think that we're, we're, we're part of what I call the board, B-O-R-G, mm-hmm. uh, Black Opportunities. <laughs> op- black Opportunities Racially Grieved. Right. And if you're not racially grieved, if you speak against that, then you're a part of the problem. All right. Now, it's funny how we all want diversity until it becomes diversity of thought. Okay, here we go. Problem number three. Problem number okay. three, urban terrorism. Uh-oh. Oh, my goodness gracious. Um, when you, when, as a father, and I have uh, a, a teenage, well, a little older than a teenage boy, between ages of 15 and 34, uh, homicide is the number one cause of death. Yeah. Between, I'm going to say that again. Between ages of 15 and 34, yeah. homicide is the number one cause of death, death for black males. And that should not be lost in any conversation because that's the reality they face. Problem number two. Problem number two. Proliferation of baby mamas. Ten seconds. Ten seconds. Uh, Yeah. Marry these women. If you you have a baby with them, make this your family. Create a family. Yes. Yes. And guess what? Yes. We'll be right back with... Problem number one. You're listening to Black and Right on AM560 Answer. We're speaking with Talib Starks, author of some great books, The Nisus 
<laughs> I like that. Mises fan and Black Lives Matter. Hey, Talit, we'll be right back. Hold the line. We'll be right back. Black and Right continues on AM560. Once again, here's John Anthony. Welcome back to Black and Right on AM560, The Answer. George is waving the finger at me, telling me no singing. I'm your host, John Anthony. Hey, while you're at it, follow me at Facebook and Twitter at J. Anthony Speaks. Facebook and Twitter, J. Anthony Speaks. I'm so grateful to have my, the Bishop of Truth, Cesar LaFleur, as my wingman today. Bless you, son. Bless oh. you. <laughs> <laughs> but if you're just, if you're just um, joining us, before the break, we were talking to author uh, Tlaib Starks, author of Black Lives Matter, mm-hmm. The Uncivil War, Blacks and, I can't say the word, versus the word, uh, the gospel of nieces and religion of victimanity. Tlaib, welcome back to Black and Right. Yes, sir. Here I am. Your books, I'm telling you, I, I was reading through them, I was like, wow. It took a lot of guts to say a lot of the stuff that you said, and but I'm, I, but I'm really, really grateful that we have people out there that are willing to take a stand and I think you see a lot of, of con- there's a lot of conservative infighting going on right now. Um, yeah. I, I, I'm of the belief we're at war. Let's hold the line. We can deal with who we have to deal with when it comes to once the war is over. That's my belief. What do you say about that? I agree. That? When you, no, I agree. When, when you're in the foxhole, you don't turn and shoot, or turn the guns on each other. No. Uh, it's time to aim at the enemy. That's but, true. Uh, yeah, there's some uh, conservative infighting going on, and I'm I'm like you. I, um, I can't we all just get along? Like <laughs> uh-huh. King said? Mm-hmm. That we should we should be able to. And and I I understand um, the, the 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 feeling of wanting to make sure that you're not tarnishing the so-called brand of conservatism of black conservatism. But I think we all yeah. think, we're, we're, again, I think we all think differently. Mm-hmm. We're all different in our belief system because not everybody that calls themselves a conservative are really conservative. Mm-hmm. That's right. Bishop, right? I agree. Yeah. So, right. I agree. Go ahead. And who, go ahead. Are the, who are the gatekeepers to, for, to even yeah. determine what, what, how, how you can be a conservative or not? I got to say this, though. I never wave. I never came out and said, hey, I'm Talib Starks, black conservative. I, I never waved that flag. That's right. And it was. Just as I've never been called a black liberal, right? So I've never came out to hey, I'm 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 not with them. I'm with them. It's just that what I spoke about fell in line with conservatism. Yeah, and I realized like you know I'm actually on this. This is where I fall. So I guess I'm I'm here. But that doesn't mean that I'm anti the other side. But, That's right. Yeah, it's just weird that I became a black conservative without even knowing it. And, and, and that's the same way with me. I tell people all the time, I didn't choose this. Like I was looking at a menu and yeah. say, okay, I think I want to do one of these black conservative things. Yeah. It was part of my development right. as I matured yeah. in my faith. And then I started really paying attention to the things that I believe, which were my core principles. Yeah. And when I had to see that transmitted politically, then where did it line up with Correct. those who believed more like me? So I never waved those banners, you know, about, hey, I'm yeah. conservative, yeah, I'm sure. a Republican. But if you cut me open and try to find out what drives me, you're going to find that those are the principles that I strongly yeah. believe in. Because you, you, you yeah, the, I hate the bishop, I, I mean, I've known you a long enough time mm-hmm. now to know that you, your, your whole philosophy is, I'm, I'm a believer, I'm a Christian. I mean, that's it. That's, mm-hmm. that, that's my motivating, mm-hmm. that's what drives me. And if, if the Republican Party lines up with my principles, I'll join them. If the Democratic Party, which yeah. they've completely you know, gone so far to the left, if they line up with my party, I'll, I'll support them. But I know you, and I know yeah. that you support 
Christians. Yeah. But Talib, let's go now to problem number one. The number one hit. The number one hit <laughs> facing the black community. Problem number one. Unquestioning allegiance to so-called progressive policies. Oh, God. you about to get into some trouble. You about to get both me and Caesar in some trouble, dude. Please. I don't, I don't know you, brother Talib. <laughs> Do not hang around my neighborhood. Break it down. Break it down because because I, I personally the reason why I wanted to come back from the break was because and it was your George idea. Okay, I gave you credit, George. <laughs> uh, it's because I think this is this is one of the largest, biggest, most insane problems with our community. Please break that down. Yeah. Yeah. So number one, a lot of people say, man, uh, fatherless home should be number one or so-and-so should be number one. Where's racism? That should be number one. But everything, all of the, all of the four issues I mentioned, uh, number one, they fall under number one, which is the allegiance to so-called progressive policies, because without that, without those policies, these conditions wouldn't be allowed to flourish. So, and now we see that with because of these uh, progressive policies, all sides indicate that we're in, a, in, in, in an abusive relationship. Yeah. Wow. So, oh, yeah. If, if we were to get out of this abusive relationship, we can begin to heal. Woo. Wow. And so that's why number one is number one because it's the other ones are the. It, it, they fall under this. They're the umbrella. symptoms of those. Absolutely. You know, it's what happens. They're, they're the yeah, it's it's what happens when you when you go unchecked uh, with with an, with something an ailment or something. Mm-hmm. What happens after exactly. that? If you don't deal with the main underlying cause, you're gonna. I, I remember my hip, my hip, my hip. When I hurt my hip as a cop, I wasn't. I didn't get that fixed, and it just broke down every other aspect of my body mm-hmm. because I didn't deal with the underlying condition that I needed to deal with that would have got me well quickly and so i, I when i saw yeah. that i was like amen that's right yeah and, and brother talib I, yeah. I, I believe you're right but putting that in number one i read a book by a gentleman named wayne perryman called unfounded oh, yeah. loyalty i read that years book. ago and he talked about that and and when you think about we have we married ourselves to a party that first of all doesn't have to do anything nothing to get our vote they're just going to automatically get it Plus, they represent policies that have failed us over the last 60 years. But yet we feel as though that we can't try anything different because of our loyalty, unfounded, crazy dedication to the Democrat Party. And you know that the one way to get a room full of us mad is to stand up and even pretend that you're anything but a Democrat. How do we break that? (laughs) How do you get out of that relationship? That's a, that's an excellent question, and I thought that just talking, uh, speaking factually, would be the remedy. But sometimes, most of the times, people they want to feel, they want to use emotion. They don't want to use logic. You can come and talk about we, we, we always talk about Republican outreach into the community, which I champion. Mm-hmm. But if you come there and you talk talk about, well, here's what here's what's been happening with the Democrats, and and you say, uh, well, you know, you got abortion, you have crime, you have this, that, and you try to present an alternative, and you talk Republican Party, They, um, the, the Democrats have done such a magnificent job of creating mm-hmm. any other party I started the, the Democratic Party as, as the enemy, as the other. Absolutely. As mm-hmm. the oppressor. It's the racism so potion that they put on it. Mm-hmm. 
Yes. By labeling exactly. everything so, racism. Mm-hmm. Everything is racism. So when they when they peddle these uh, uh, these racial, when they instill these uh, these racial vendettas, they know that at some point it, it may even manifest into racial violence. That's right. Because mm-hmm. we are angry. Absolutely. And so they're... They'll say that, that party is the party of the oppressor. Even you talk about libertarianism, mm-hmm. people are like, "What the hell is that?" You know, if it's not Democrat, it must be again the other. So there's, yeah. I think, for us to make the men roads, we have to. It's going to be slow. That's right. I'm, I'm, I have to be honest. More people speaking about it. We just need more people on the ground speaking. Absolutely. On social media and speaking. That, that's why we're here. But listen, we only have a few minutes left, but I had to get to this okay. question because your number five on your hit lips was this victim mentality. And then you talked about the lack of diversity. But this victim mentality, and I'm actually calling it now the celebrity victim mentality because everybody wants to be a victim, but they're really looking to get on YouTube so they can become yeah. the celebrity yeah. victim. And I think it's driving yeah. it even yeah. more. Would you agree that this celebrity? Celebrity that's now attached to victimhood. We're glorifying victims. Everybody's a victim, and you and you get sympathy from everybody, and and so everybody wants to be cast as a victim. What do you think about that? Yeah, no, I agree. And but there's there's so much money to, to being a victim. There's yeah, that's where it lies. Victimhood is good for livelihood. Yeah. And to speak yeah. out against that, you might be taking food out of somebody's mouth potentially. And this is this is the new this is where we're going to have to do battle and not even intend to do battle, but uh, to counter that, you just you got to hold steadfast with the message of uh, you're bigger than you, yes. victimhood. Uh, yeah, you're bigger than that. But I wanted to ask you guys this. I'm not sure. sure on time. Yeah, um, we are. Thirty seconds. Speaking of victim, okay. What what are the two largest states that black people live in? Ooh, the two, two largest, largest states, states that black people live in. You would think. Yeah. You would think, what do you say? <laughs> You've been in here longer than I. <laughs> I was in state of depression. <laughs> no, no, like California. Right, I'm, not think, I'm not thinking he's thinking geography. Right. So, I don't think so go either. ahead. Tell us. <laughs> California, <laughs> New York. But no. Yeah, that was a trick, yeah, that was a trick question. Yeah. I, I was going to say the state of victimhood and the state of denial. See? Said victimhood. Yeah, I, I kind of heard but, this. Hey, Tlaib, listen. Thanks man, so much for joining us. You're awesome, hey, brother. Go to awesome. Amazon. Tlaib starts. Go get his books. The guy is awesome. Thanks so much for joining Black and Right. We'll be right back after the break. It's the show the mainstream media doesn't want you to know about. It's Black and Right with John Anthony on AM560, The Answer. Welcome back to Black and Right on AM560, The Answer. I'm your host, John Anthony, joined in studio by my good friend, the Bishop of Truth, Cesar LaFleur. You know what? It's already on my page. What? Factivist. Factivist. Hashtag factivist. <laughs> yes. I told you I am going to steal that. And you stole and it. And I have stolen it. Sorry, Ryan. And I blessed that. You, you know, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm looking at some comments mm-hmm. um, somewhere else. And I just want to, you know, I, I think sometimes people think because you're black, you have to have a certain point mm-hmm. of view. Oh, yeah. Group think. Mm-hmm. There's no group think here, guys. I'm here to tell you this right now. There is no group think. On black and right with John Anthony. Mm-hmm. Um, we don't. I may not think like you, but at least I do have the conversations. Mm-hmm. Before we go to your good friend Juan and and, and, and this heartbreaking story uh, of where he's been, I want to take a call um, from somebody that I know, my good buddy Steve Phillips. Steve, welcome to Black and Right. Hey, how's it going, guys? Hey, it's going well. How are you? 
Paul Wright. I've been listening the last two weeks, and I think you and Caesar have been doing some great shows here. Thank you. It's uh, it's pretty much like I'm listening to the thoughts that I've had all these years. Yeah. So, oh, I've got the um, like the thoughts I've had the last you know on this stuff, but I'm just a white guy from the suburbs. So, <laughs> you know, me saying it doesn't have the same kind of weight. So what I was going to say is I like, I also like um, that um, Tlaib that, that you turned me on to. I didn't know about him before you brought him on the show today. Yeah. And I think I'm hopping on Amazon and buying his book. Please after do. This. Because, I mean, he's got, I think, and what I called him to say is, I think he's kind of nailed exactly what I was thinking on problems one and two. And it's the liberalism that, just the, the group think of the policies that you, you have to have these policies that have destroyed the black community. Yeah. But it comes from the destruction of fatherhood that has been brought on the black community by Democrats for generations. And the, the term that I've come up with or the way that I think about it is it's not the white privilege that everybody should be so concerned about. It's the two parent privilege Ooh. because in the two parents, the two parent households with the stable two parent family where you have an abuse free, stable um, family, doesn't matter what skin color you have, doesn't matter your pigment, race, gender, uh, you know, um, socioeconomic, whatever factors, doesn't matter. Your chances of, of poverty are practically non-existent if you're yeah. raised in a stable two-parent household. And that's the thing that I've always had as a Democrat. Is like, you're targeting one group of people and destroying the family. Like you said, on Black Lives Matter, they don't even mention the father. No, they not at all. completely leave, leave that out of there. Yeah. And it's like, that's the most important thing. Thing. I mean, yeah. you've got kids. I've got kids. You yeah. know, you have to be there. We both have twin us. girls. Hey, hey, yeah. hey, hey, Steve. Uh, yeah. Thanks so much for calling. But we got to get to Buffalo uh, Wild Wings yeah, soon. Yeah. All right. All right. Thanks yeah, for calling, yeah. Black and Right. But you ain't black. <laughs> <laughs> I'll tag along to the Buffalo Wild Wings. <laughs> Listen, I, I appreciate what he said. Actually, I have a good friend, another one of my light skinned brother friends. Come on, Doctor. You, you a hater? I was light skinned guys taking over the world. But Dr. Eric Wallace and Freedom Journal Institute, you know, they actually do a series about Black Families Matter, and it really does make a difference. The the, the solution for poverty. I might be doing the show at that event. Oh, that would be so tremendous, Eric. Man. Get on it. Absolutely, but the solution for poverty is is marriage. Yeah. You know, because the statistics point out that when you're married, that you have an eighty percent higher chance of living above poverty yeah. than coming from a single parent household. Yeah, but but so I, families I, are important. It, it really are, and I think George and I, and we'll, we'll take Ron after the break. Okay, we'll, we'll take yeah, him we'll, the, we'll take him to the end. Okay, uh, mm-hmm. but George and I, we made he made a comment. He said, but I think sometimes people forget the other most important thing: education. Mm-hmm. It's really important, and not just education from an institution. That's right. But the education that's being taught at home. Right, because the, the word in the Bible for that yeah. is uh, we have a responsibility to make sure our children get wisdom, knowledge, and, and understanding. understanding. Yeah. That is the thing. More than just going through a, a series of classes, a series of years, we need to make sure our children are getting that. Yeah. And, uh, and, and, you know, and, one, one of the things, I'm going to have you back on because I, sometime... After, you know, this dies down a little bit, because I really do want to talk about responsibility. Mm-hmm. I want to talk about how do we take responsibility for our own actions. That's right. And we don't pass the blame. We don't say that, oh, what I did is your fault. Mm-hmm. No. That's right. Mm-hmm. One of the things that I learned about my life is when I mess up, I take full responsibility. I don't pass it on to anybody. That's right. It's me. 
I messed up. Right. And that's what you he's talking about in this victim, this victim mindset. Yeah, but, but, you know, before we go to break, here he is, Sean from Elmwood Park. Sean, welcome to Black and Right. Hey, buddy. Listen, I got to tell you, I'm, I'm loving the show. I'm in Florida, and the sun is phenomenal. The weather is great. The show is great. So I wanted to tell you that. Thank you. But I also have been, I've also been listening, and there's, you know, I love it. But the, the last comment about the parents and the father, listen to me. Poppycock. Poppycock. I'm, a, I'm raised by a single mother. So am I. I am better at everything than, than most people who had a father. So I don't buy that one iota. It's about a philosophy and a fundamental principle of life. Education you are in the either home. Onto, but it, it, but it's, it's about your character. And, yeah. and you understand the importance of individual achievement. Yeah. And judge yourself most harshly of all. Mm, there wow. he is. Sean from Elmore Park. Thanks so much for calling Black and Right. He, he's right. No, he's not. He's right in a way. No, because, he's not. Because he's, he's wrong. He's way wrong. Hey, I'm from a single family. Single mother. Yeah. Okay. We'll be right back. Now, more Black and Right with John Anthony on AM560, The Answer. I can't sing, George. I want to. Can I dance, Elise? Alicia told me I can't dance. You're telling me I can't sing. Well, I don't know whether you have the ability to dance, but I you're do. certainly allowed. <laughs> okay, George. Welcome back to Black and Right on AM560, The Answer. I am your host, John Anthony, alongside my buddy, the Bishop of Truth. Wait, I'm John Anthony, the Factivist. <laughs> Alongside my friend Bishop of Truth, Caesar Lafleur. Caesar, what, yes. are we, what are we talking about next? What's up next? I think this next story is going to be really exciting. And it kind of continues on what we were talking about with Black Lives Matter. And I've been talking about the whole thing of they want submission. They don't want reconciliation. They want submission. Bow your knee to their agenda or else there would be consequences. And these are real life consequences that people are experiencing. Recently, I was talking to a really good friend, Rich Martinez of Nehemiah Leaders, who told me about a family member that he has, Juan Riesco, owner of Nini's Cafe, Nini's Deli. And he told me about his experience, and we wanted to bring him on to let him tell you what happened to him directly because he would not bow a knee to Black Lives Matter. And we have him on the phone, Juan Riesco, owner of Nini's Deli. Welcome to the Black and White Show. Hey, what's going on, y'all? Hey, what's up, buddy? How you doing? Hey, listen, praise man. God, I'm glad. Uh, praise God. I'm glad you're ready to be on here. I had a chance to talk to you myself, and I talked uh, to to Rich Martinez and told me your story. And my heart really went out to you. And I said, "Wow, people mm. need to hear. People need to hear what mm. happened to you." So, very briefly, can you just recap what happened to you last week and what culminated what happened on that Friday? What happened uh, when Black Lives Matter approached you? Absolutely, I would love to. Thank you for giving me a voice, bro. I appreciate it. So, no um. My family's had a cafe, uh, a cafe, or we call it a deli, but yeah, it's more of a cafe, um, right uh, about 10 minutes north of downtown Chicago for uh, about 10 years. Um, it's rated number one on Yelp in the city of Chicago. Wow. And number 30, number, yes, by God's grace, yes, we, we have a five-star average with uh, a close to 900 reviews. Um, and then number 33 in the country, I've had, the, uh, by God's grace, the ability to do two collaborations with Nike. I have two of my own sneakers with them and I even we, we've even done part we've even done partnerships with Adidas. So thank God, you know, things were going amazing. You yeah. know, this past decade was has been has been more than we could have had ever imagined. 
Um, and around uh, Wednesday of last week, I started receiving messages saying, how come your business hasn't made a post about George Floyd? Now, we're a Christian business, so we believe all, in, all human beings are made in the image of God. Thus, every human, every walk of life isn't deserving of respect because they are image bearers of our King, Jesus. And so we've always like loved all people. <laughs> Thank you. So we've always loved all people, which made it, which, which for me is, is a reason why we don't have to speak on every issue that happens in our, in our country, even if they're treacherous, treacherous issues and horrendous, ungodly things. We know that what we stand for and who we are. So we, we've never really made posts about uh, social issues. Okay. Um, however, this situation was different. We started getting pressure on social media about uh, about how can we didn't we did, we haven't made a post about Black Lives Matter. I think cetera, everybody's gotten that po- gotten that from somebody right. they know that's affiliated right. with Black Lives Matter. Because mm-hmm. I did right. too. Everybody. Mm-hmm. Yep. Every person who does basically anything in the in the public sphere gets that message right now. So. The, the, the messages went from ten, 5 to 10 to 15 to 20 in, in, in just a few minutes, and I started to realize that this was a spiritual attack. I instantly knew it. I said, they're coming after my worldview. They're coming after my biblical perspective. They ca- started calling me a fraud, a scam. They said, I'm not a real family. We're not a real family business, although my mother and father started the business. Uh, started this, It's literally my mother and father's business, so I don't know how we cannot be a family business. Right. And, 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 and who were these people that were talk, that were making these uh, threats to you? And what were they actually threatening to do to you? OK, so at first the messages were, how come you haven't made a post? How come you haven't made a post? They said, your your silence is oppression. They said, you are you are part of the oppression in our country for not your silence. Uh, and and uh, they, they are were, just just people were, on social media. Miscellaneous. Yes. OK. Miscellaneous mm-hmm. city folks. OK, now. Instantly, I decided to take a stand for the gospel because I, I, I could tell by the aggression in their comments that it wasn't, this wasn't a flesh and blood matter. They did not care about George Floyd. They knew that my family is a Christian business, and they were trying to attack us. Uh, target it. And so I said, target us, exactly. And so I said, in response to the individual comments, I would respond back. I said, we are, we are appalled of what happened to Mr. Floyd. But we are appalled because we believe every human is made in the image of right. God. Mm-hmm. We be- so I said, I said we do not, we do not stand with injustice, and we actually we think racism is treacherous. But we do, we believe that because of our biblical worldview. Right now, if you're join- just joining us now, we're talking to Juan Riesco, owner of Needy's yes. Deli. And what happened on Friday? So after these threats just started coming okay. in, and you mm-hmm. actually told where where you stood, what happened the following That's Friday? Right. Mm-hmm. Okay, so Thursday night we made a post. Stating just that the reason why we believe black lives matter is because black lives are made in the image of God. The reason we believe what happened to George Floyd is horrendous because we believe evil is horrendous. And we believe that because of our biblical perspective. So we laid it all out for people. Then I went from having 15 comments to hundreds of comments, hundreds of messages, and they turned into death threats. So then people started saying, we're going to burn down your business. You're a racist. You're a homophobe. Um, you're a bigot. You don't stand with black people. All the isms. Now, are, are you a racist? All, they they, hit, they yeah. hit me with every every ism. Why, exactly. But why are you a racist? So let me tell you this, sir. Not only am I not a racist, but I'm also not a homophobe, and I'm also not a bigot. 
when the Lord Jesus Christ saved me uh, seven years ago, I was I was in the homosexual lifestyle. Listen, oh, well, listen Juan, we're, we're going to hold you over right after the break. We're going to come back and we're going to continue our conversation with Juan Riesco of Nini's Deli. And he's going to continue to tell you the tragic story of how not bending a knee to BLM I, I cost think, him everything. I think that last part he was trying to make is going to be very important. Yes, we're going to come back key. right there. Mm-hmm. You're listening to Black and White on AM560 Answer. Yeah. We'll be right back. This is Black and Right with John Anthony on AM560, The Answer. Welcome back to Black and Right on AM560, The Answer. I'm your host, John, the factivist, Anthony, alongside my buddy, the Bishop of Truth, Cesar LaFleur. Cesar, you know, before we before we, uh, um, before we went to break, we were talking to Ron Riesco, mm-hmm. owner of Nini's Deli. Deli. Yes. Juan, you were trying to make a very important point that I think people really need to hear. Um, before we went to break, that you were saying, please, Ron, enlighten the people. So um, the question was: Is am I a racist? And I, my answer, my answer very, very shortly is absolutely not. Mm-hmm. And then I followed up with that by saying, not only am I not a racist, but the other um, homophobe, the other, excuse me, yeah, they were calling you a homophobe too, right? Oh, right, right. And then I was also being called a homophobe. So what I was saying is before I gave my life to Jesus Christ seven years ago, I was dating a man. When I got saved, the Lord saved me from a homosexual relationship. And then, not to mention, after being saved for three or four years, I became a deacon in my church. And the first, by God's grace, and the first young man that I had the honor of discipling in the Lord is a young African-American man from the south side of Chicago, from 87th and Damon. Oh wow! And so I'm trying to I'm I'm sitting here and I'm thinking to myself, y'all calling me a homophobe and a racist? You mm-hmm. know nothing about me. That's right. <laughs> so so like you couldn't be any farther from correct. But the I, the problem is is when people don't like what you have to say or they don't yeah. like your opinion, as opposed to having some what sort of about? conversation, they 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 call your name. That's yeah. right. It's mm-hmm. like you don't want you don't want to have a, you don't want to ask me about my views. So what you'd rather do is paint me a picture that you don't that is not even true. Right. So, so what, are you guys open? Is is is, is the deli shut so down? Check this out. So that what Friday, mm-hmm. that, that Friday after I had made the post stating our views, we had hundreds and hundreds of rioters and protesters outside of our business, holding up signs, calling us all types of names, lighting things on fire, throwing it at my building. We received hundreds of threats saying they're going to burn the building down and kill my family and I because of our homophobic because of our homophobic racist views. And it just got to a point where, like, bro, we're from Chicago, bro. You don't call, you don't tell people you're going to kill people, and you don't take when people say that you don't take that lightly. That's right. right. That's right. Now I know, I know these people are wicked, which means they lie and yeah. steal, steal and kill. So they could be lying, but I'm not, I'm not going to sit here and wait till till one of their lies comes true. You feel me? That's right. So, well, well, Juan, so, check this out. We got, we got an army of people. We would love to come up there and eat. I, Eat, eat, eat some food and, and all that type of stuff. But, but I, heard, I heard you also have a GoFundMe or something. Um, what, what, where's that? How can people find that? Absolutely. So if you go to my church's website, chicagoforjesus.com, Chicago spelled out for F-O-R, Jesus.com, and you scroll to the bottom, you can, uh, oh, you can support my family and I, um, and we would be so grateful. You know, obviously, if you feel led by the Lord, we don't want anybody to be emotionally led. But because you, you lost everything, Juan, you lost your so contract. Lost our business. You lost your business. So, we lost, so, so Nike, you know, Nike obviously never, never spoke to me. But we've also done po- 
is never speaking to me again. But we've done partnerships with the Chicago Fire soccer team. Wow. They sent me. They sent me a direct. Ten message. seconds. They one. Called me. They called me. Told me it was all done for. We lost our business. My sister-in-law lost her real estate license. We lost our home. Wow. Because they leaked all of our addresses, and oh. so we're on the road. Seeking refuge in Jesus' name. Juan Riesco. Bless you, man. Bless listen, you and your family. Listen, um, go, didn't bow a knee. go to Black and Right, like the page, post that GoFundMe on Black and Right's page, all right? Do me that favor. Thanks so much for joining Black and Right, buddy. And then, and then we're going to be praying for you, okay? You and your thank family. You. Thank you. you. Bishop, you got 20 seconds. All right. Listen, thank you so much Is for a- listening. And listen, I just want to close out by saying that the family, God's design, for society is the most important thing that we need to develop in our community. The family is the cell structure to build a healthy society, a father and a mother raising their children in the fear, nurture and the ammunition of the Lord. There are opportunities for individuals who come out of a different environment to do well, but that's how God had created. And you do better in that environment. Do not kneel to the idols (laughs) that, that promote another. Don't kneel before Zod or BLM. All right. Thanks so much for joining us. Hey guys, join us next week. As we talk solutions, I want to thank all our guests for joining. Thank you to George on the boards. Caesar, the bishop, thank you. We'll be right back next week.